Well, um, for those of you that are visiting, I want to kind of get you caught up here a little bit. Uh, it was about uh, four weeks ago we started a brand new series here at our church called uh, Get a Grip. Uh, Jesus said that he had come to bring us life and life to the, to the fullest, or a rich and satisfying life. And obviously that new life really blooms when we all get to glory. But he was also talking about the here and now. That the life that God came to give us, that Jesus came to give us, was a rich and satisfying life now, was an abundant life now. And the bummer is, is that too many believers, too many Christians, too many followers of Christ never experience that abundant life. And part of that is, uh, part of the reason is, is that we don't have a grip on some of these important things in life. And so we kicked it off with getting a grip on stress. And man, you don't have a grip on stress, you're never gonna experience this great life that, that Jesus has for you. Then we looked at our jobs and our careers. You know, you spend eight, nine, 10 hours a week at our jobs, and how, how, do, we, how do we, you know, get a grip on that? And then last week we looked at our, our marriages. And uh, this week we decided to do something a little bit different. A couple weeks ago we brought Reggie Stone here and the music was really majestic. And this series we wanted to do some things that were a little bit different. And so we thought when it came to getting a grip on your time, how you invest your time, there, that this guy that we brought, Eric, it would, would really be fantastic. And uh, just had a great time with him at dinner last night, talking with him on the phone over the last week or so. Um, it's really, he's, it's going to be a treat because he's going to make you think. He's, going to, he's different than I am. He's going to make you think about some things in a really creative way. And so, Big Valley family, I want you to welcome up Eric Samuel Tim. We do that right now. Probably the first service you've been to in a while where you handed out free money at the door, right? Um, I'm from Minnesota. Okay? And I had to snow blow my driveway yesterday. So all of you that are commenting on how chilly it is this morning wearing your coats, <laughs> save it. <laughs> I'm serious. It's not that cold. Cold is relative for sure. Uh, I am an author, an artist, a communicator, a Netflix subscriber, <laughs> teach at a university. I'm in a PhD program. I have kids, two sons, and uh, their names are Xavier, and the other son is named Xander, and my wife and I just had a baby girl about 15 days ago, and it's pretty exciting. Her name is Zeta Everdon, and she's increasing and prosperous every morning, and um, having three kids is great. It's been really great and calm. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I had two sons, and then we had another baby. And it's like I was drowning, and then someone handed me a baby. <laughs> the last 15 days have been pretty busy, uh, to be honest. It's been sort of chaotic at my house. It's been an adjustment, to say the least. And it's a season where I felt like, well, this is the um, place where I've felt I've lost a little of the grip of time in my own life. Um, and maybe you have too. 
Uh, life, is, life gets that way sometimes. In fact, everybody take a deep breath real quick. Um, just breathe it in. And breathe it out. Some of you are still holding your breath. Okay, one more time. Let it go. Feels good. Give the person in, uh, behind you a mint, but... <laughs> life is nothing like that deep breath, is it? I mean, whether you're 6 or 66, life is nothing like that moment where you're sitting on a nice padded chair and you can take a deep breath. In fact, most of the time, it feels like we can't catch our breath. And enough is a never enough. And we can never get enough done in a day on our own to-do list, even if you're retired. And that list includes bingo. You're busy. <laughs> One guy's laughing back there. He knows I'm talking to him. But that list feels like uh, it just gets longer and these urgent and seemingly important tasks just sort of take over our life and we feel like we can never catch our breath and, and it's like we're called the human race for a reason. So eloquently named are we, the human race. Always running about, always going from task to task, always filling our time with everything. And when we get to this place where if it's too quiet at night, we can't sleep. We have to have a noisemaker because the silence is too loud. It's because it's just foreign to us because we're busy and we've got things to do and our time gets so filled with things. And we wake up in the morning and the first thing we do is turn on the TV or we, or we check our email or we grab our phone or, and we just sort of feel like we don't ever have enough time. We lose this, this sort of grip of time. I think Jesus has something to say about this. He also has something to model through his life about our time. You can read with me if you'd like. You don't have to change there if you, if you uh, don't have your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Talk to Pastor Rick or just stay at a hotel. <laughs> There's one in the drawer. Just take it. That's where I got this one. I'm kidding. Stole it from my grandmother. No, I think the theft is probably the only place where theft is encouraged. Okay? Okay. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. We'll put on the screens for you. Give and it shall be given to you. They'll pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. This will be poured onto your lap for the measure that you give. So the standard of the measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus, I just pray today as we take a moment to reflect on your life, on how you have asked each of us to become like you, Jesus, and follow you. Lord, I just pray that this whole concept of time, this whole concept of busyness, God, whoever's here that has sort of lost that grip, sort of feel like they're overspent, that they don't have enough. God, I just pray that you would speak to them, not me, but you would speak to them through your word and through how you lived. In Jesus' name. Church says, amen. amen. Time is an interesting topic of choice. The Greeks had a word for time, actually two words. We have one. When we say the word time, we just use one word, time. 
The Greeks, however, had two words, two different words that meant two different things. Chronos was one word. Uh, chronos, like the chronological time, like the, the hours or the, like literally the clicks on a clock, that kind of time that is a Mayan idea, uh, really, um, and that, well, ended in 2012, if you... <laughs> but nonetheless, the, the initial concept of time was we have time because it's the space between events, the setting and rising of the sun. So we will always have events, and so we'll always have time. Now, the Greeks had two words for time because the time on the clock or the time that we have in a day wasn't really fully capturing the word for time because we know it's more than that. The Greeks had another word, kairos, which actually means opportune or providential or perfect time. Have you ever used that? word or time in that sense. Uh, you know, you, you met your wife at the right time in your life. Guys, remember, this is your chance to agree. <laughs> I set you up perfect there, and you're like, oh. <laughs> we, we have these moments that happen at the opportune time. We also have moments that happen on time. And I don't know your expectation for being here. I just know God has got greater expectations than we do. And I know you're in the right place at the right time. I know God has you literally here at 9.50-something in the morning at the right place at the right time. Because you could be investing it somewhere else. Now, time is also precious. And let's not forget this. We easily do. I don't know about you, but I think we've slipped into a mode sometimes in our life where we do truly lose the grip of time, and we go back to like this sense of living where we think tomorrow is going to be there. We just assume that we're going to wake up in the morning, and that this is one of many days that we are going to live on this planet. We sort of fall into the stupor and to the sense where we forget about living with the end in mind. We just live for the now and for the day, and we just sort of think our kids will always be there, and our family's always going to be around, and we're going to be here for many, many years. We, we, we convince ourselves this, and that's so far from the truth, isn't it? Because we're reminded, all of us, when tragedy strikes within the own vicinity of your own life. Now, if it's on the news, it's not such a big deal. If it's happening in the Ukraine and people are dying, well, it's the Ukraine. But if your father's from the Ukraine, then it's a big deal. I mean, when tragedy strikes in the own confines of your life, what happens? It wakes us up from this sort of slumber, and we realize, Darla, that time is precious. That we're not promised tomorrow, Rick, and your kids will only be eight once, and you're a curator of their childhood, and once it's gone, it's gone. It's the most important ministry you'll ever have. It's the most important ministry I'll ever have is my kids. But we just think that tomorrow's going to be there. And then a, diagnose ha a diagnosis happens where somebody... Um, has cancer, or somebody's hit by a car, or some tragedy strikes, and it wakes us up, and we go, man, I, this is, I'm, not, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. So let's not wait for tragedy to strike in your life 
and the vicinity of what would impact you directly. Let's not wait for it to to strike, for us to be reminded of how precious time is, and let's fully grasp the concept that God could have ordered this day at the right place at the right time for you to regain some of John 10.10, this life abundant, because one of those keys is for you to fully grasp time. Not sands through the hourglass that slip through your fingers and just sort of go and you wonder where it went, but fully possess each day, fully making the most of every moment. Time is um, it's a powerful force, uh, and we can never outrun it. And it chases us all down. It's also never, um, it's also never spent. How many of you ever heard that t- term, that phrase, that sentence, spend time? Anybody ever hear that? Raise your hand. Put it all the way. No, get it. I see it. Okay, there we go. That's what I thought. How are you going to spend your time? Hey, how are you going to spend your vacation? How are you going to spend your weekend? How are you going to spend your holiday? How are you going to spend your time with your grandkids? How are you going to spend tonight? How are you going to spend... We say that all the time. How are you going to spend this? Like, like as if we have this unlimited resource of time to just to spend frivolously. Like however we choose or please because we'll always have time. Time is never spent. It's, it's always invested. Now you don't need to be a Wall Street Journal guru to figure this out, okay? I don't even own a suit. I mean, you don't need to know this just to know this. ROI, return on investment. If you have an investment, if you buy stocks, or if you have a savings account, or if you have a checking account, and you put money in, and you get more money out, well, that's a return on your investment. The more money that you get out, the higher the return, the ROI on your investment. Return on investment. And time is always invested. It's never spent. You don't spend your time brushing your teeth. Okay? You invest your time brushing your teeth. And it pays you back. It pays a dividend that we all enjoy. (laughs) It's for us all. And those of you who haven't invested, we know who you are. (laughs) Simple. But you don't spend your time in brushing your teeth. You invest your time brushing your teeth. What's the return on your investment? Uh, white teeth. Look at these babies. Crest right strips, actually. It's another financial investment. But the point is, is you don't spend your time with your kids. You invest your time in your children. You're not spending time at church. You're investing time here. You don't spend time... With your grandkids, you invest time. What's the payback? What's the return on their investment? Shaping their life, being a part of who they are. Uh, you don't spend your time at work. You invest your time. What's the payback? Maybe it's, maybe it's a paycheck. Maybe it's stress. You don't spend your time on, on, your, on your studies, like you, on your schoolwork. You invest your time. What's the return on investment? Well, if you invest your time wisely, you get high marks. And if you get high marks, you have more doors open for you. And if you have more doors open for you, you have more options for you. And then so it goes and so forth. We never spend time. We only, we only invest it. Stop using that word. Spend time. You can forget me. I, I don't know if 
Rick will ever have me back. But never use those words, spend time again. Change your vocabulary. Because it's always invested. So where does it go? I mean, each day, uh, you are given life currency. 24 hours of life currency every day. You and I are given, dealt from the hand of God. Time is the currency that all other currencies bow. It's the most powerful currency. And every day, you are given 24 hours, $24 of this life currency. But where does it go? So I need your help with this, okay? I need your money. I'm not kidding. I need $1 bills, okay? Darla, get in your purse, honey. Get a $1, I need $1 bills. Just get them out. Come on, buddy, I know you got ones. I need $1 bills, president up. Um, please keep the edges uh, not wrinkled, so for an easy transaction, and just start bringing them up here and putting them in my hand. Uh, uh, come on, man, I'm serious. Let's go. I know this is the 9 o'clock service. One, I need 24 of these. Two, hey, I'll take a five. Thank you, sir. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Thank you. Twenty, twenty-one. Oh, twenty. I feel bad now. I took it from a girl. Twenty. 24, 25. Hold on. Okay, thank you. Just go ahead and set it down on the altar here. Perfect. That's all extra. Thank you. I appreciate Two. I thank you. For, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, does someone have some change? Rick, do you have any quarters? No. Um, anybody have any change? I just like a little, little bit of change. Just maybe a dollar here. I just need a little bit of change. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Thanks for the five and extra. Okay, $24. Now, if you need your money back after the service, we'll get it back to you. Some of you guys are like, he must be an evangelist. All that money on stage. No. Um, but I will have it right over here, laying on the platform right next to an offering bucket. Okay, no pressure from me. Uh, $24 are in my hand. 23 ones, uh, about a dollar of change. The exchange rate is simple. For every hour that you are given each day, I hold a dollar in my hand to represent that hour. 24 hours in a day, $24 in my hand, and so let's see where it goes each day. Now, some of these things may not apply to you. Some of these things may apply in greater force or greater currency where you invest more time into something, and some of them I might not be able to list, but just for generalities, you can fill in the blanks where I leave them open. The doctor will tell you that you need eight hours of sleep. Now, if you have young kids, you know that's way less. But I'm not going to tell you anything less than the doctor. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Some of you people get 12 hours of sleep. I'm so envious of you. 
we can never be friends. <laughs> uh, my jealousy will just, uh, never mind. And then some of you go to school or work, or maybe you're retired and you volunteer, or you fill your day with things to do. But if you go to school or work, or if you sort of could think of things, if you are retired, of things that you do in a day, if you go to school or work, it's usually eight hours. Now, if you're salary and you're a salaried employee, you're sort of looking at this going, okay, well, here you go. <laughs> but the truth is, is you may work or go to school for eight hours. So let's count out eight hours for school or work or, you know, whatever, bingo. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so eight hours for that. Um, now, you go from point A to point B. You travel from you know, the car to your home, uh, from church to work, or from your grandkids' house to wherever, or you could go to the grocery store. The statisticians that we always say they, we always refer to them as they say, we just pull that, those, those people, that they, you know what I'm talking about? They say that you invest approximately 50 plus minutes each day just going from class to class, from job to home, your daily commute, uh, walking from here to your car. So let's just count out maybe an hour for just moving around. Um, I like to eat, okay? I went to um, Trader Joe's. Tahoe, Tahoe Joe's. <laughs> Sorry. Same, same thing. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> I went there last night with Rick. And by the way, your pastor's mildly addicted to coffee. I walked into Starbucks, and I didn't even, he didn't even order. They just handed him his cup. <laughs> anyway, we went into Tahoe Joe's, and uh, it was great food. You know that steak that is aged 19 hours? Well, they age it while you sit there. <laughs> it's like 12.30 I got out of there. I was like, it was a late night. But I like to eat, and the ritual of eating, and the, prepa the preparing to eat, and the actual cleaning up after eating. Now, if you have a dishwasher, an actual dishwasher in your house, you're rich. If you grew up like me, you, you were the dishwasher. <laughs> but let's say you eat 15 minutes in the day, and let's say you take a half hour for lunch, and you ate a 15-minute breakfast. That's an easy hour. Now, let's just say you go out to dinner at Trader... Yeah. <laughs> Ta Tahoe Joe's, why do I always want to call it that? Tahoe Joe's, and you wait there for 19 hours, well, you have no time left. <laughs> but if you made your meal, and you clean up after yourself, and you, uh, you know, have to sit down and eat it, you could easily, at dinner time, take an hour for the ritual of eating. And, and by the way, one of the greatest, um, you're going to have a marriage thing coming up. One of the greatest tools I think the enemy uses in our families today is we have failed to pause each day to truly break bread with each other because we're busy. You know, dinner time becomes like just getting in and get on. And just quick. That's so different than I think the way that God has originally intended for us to partake. Because he could have created us like the plants where we just put a bunch of goo in a bathtub and stand there and it sucks up through our feet. 
I mean, he could have done that. We could have went outside and God made us like, we just go like this. These like weird flaps come out and we soak up the sun and then we make it into food. But he didn't. You know what he did? He, he made us to be able to experience meals and the taste and a steak aged 19 hours. <laughs> you sit there for 19 hours. But we rush that, you know? And that's just, I think that's a, a tool um, that the enemy uses. So maybe this married thing, maybe your family could be intentional with that and getting a grip on dinner time, you know, where, where you shut the TV off. Shut off Wheel of the Fortune. It's really not that great. And uh, maybe you could have a conversation and the phones weren't at the table and nobody was texting someone in another place. And maybe you were all there, geographically there, but also present mentally. I mean, have you ever caught yourself in these so important moments that God has already given us the ability to connect, to really get a grip on time, and you catch yourself as a family, and, and the TV's on, and everybody's on their phones, or everybody's in this moment, and they're not there. God tells Moses, Moses, come up the mountain, and then he says something else. Now, be on the mountain, because we can be geographically in a room, but mentally, we can be somewhere else. And husbands, you're really good at this. It's called selective listening. But maybe, maybe part of this message today, and, and maybe this is just a realization, maybe it's up to us to really regain this, this meal as a family. We can continue. Now, if you eat, um, well, you're going to have to have some bathroom time eventually. <laughs> some of you are like, there's only four hours. That's not enough time. That's I'm overspent, bro. Uh, but let's just say an hour for, for getting ready in the morning, um, for using the facilities throughout the day. I mean, you've got some personal hygiene. Uh, most of you get ready and shower. Still hoping Rick would... would, would just do that, but... Now, we haven't even been on the phone yet. We haven't sent one text message. We haven't made a phone call. We have not uh, done the laundry. We haven't picked up the kids from school. We haven't went to the gym. We, we didn't water the flowers. We didn't mow the lawn. We haven't done any of those extracurricular sort of things. And so maybe you can label this what you'd want to label it, you know? Uh, but I'm just going to take an hour of just extracurricular activities that just sort of demand our time. For me right now, it's diapers. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an easy hour of my day just doing diapers and brushing teeth of, of my children. Um, but I've got two hours and some change, and we haven't even been on Facebook, okay? We haven't even been, uh, we haven't read the paper, we haven't watched TV, we haven't done anything, and we get down to this place where we just have two hours and some change left. And just at two hours each day investing into the things that maybe they pay you back a little lower. They're not necessarily evil. They're not necessarily bad. But let's just be honest. The return on investment is a lot lower. I mean, you, it's different for you than it is for me. And every generation, it's different for them. But let's just be honest here with this. 
If you invest $2 into something that pays you a low rate of return, uh, and you could fill in the blank. For me, it could be Instagram or social media. If you invest two hours a day into this, and there are other things that pay a higher return of your time that you are investing, just at two hours a day into the things that really don't matter, um, by the time you turn 40, approximately 10% of your life is gone. By the time you turn 80, literally, uh, well, eight of those years, I mean, eight of those years just sort of went through your fingers. I mean, you lived for, for 72 years. You existed for eight of them. You know, I mean, it's a slippery slope. When we just invest two hours of our day into the things that just don't pay us back. And it just doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that they're just lower rate of return of our time. Now the things we deal with, by the way, are much different than the rest of the world. Let's just be honest. Um, because the, 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 uh, the truth is, is 30,000 kids will die in a ditch or their mother's arms or a hospital bed because they can't get food today. They can't go what we're going to do in a couple minutes, not even because we're hungry. What I did at 11.30 last night just because it's something we do. I mean, if you're like me, you open up the fridge and you lean on it and you look in there, you're like, oh man, there's nothing to eat in here. They can't do that. And so they can't get food like we can, uh, walk into a grocery store 24 hours a day, pick out safe, clean food. They can't do that, so they die. Do you think the noise, do you think that is something where they feel like they're losing a grip of the time they have? like the churning of their stomach or the need for clean water because every 15 seconds someone dies on this earth because they can't get what I hold in my hand, what you've been praying for, they also have been praying for, but in a different set of circumstances. Uh, the time you listen to a song on the radio, there are approximately 12 girls sold into a district full of red lights, sometimes boys, in the Philippines where their purity is taken from them 40 times a day for about 20 bucks each time. Do you think the screams coming from the door next door, do you think that causes them to feel like they don't have a grip on their time? Because it's different than the things that we deal with. But we get down to the change. This leftover, like, change. Change is a very familiar sound um, rattling around. And we have quarters and we have nickels and pennies. Sometimes we just vacuum up the pennies in the car because they're worthless. How many of you have ever thrown away a penny? You just got rid of it. You put it up, put it up. Let me see it. A couple honest people. Either that or you're just loaded. But we have change. And it's, it's something that sometimes is annoying to us. I don't like a bunch of change in my pocket. I don't like a bunch of change in the cup holder of my car because when I put my aluminum insulated Starbucks double-walled coffee mug in there, it rattles at every bump and it just sounds like this thing that's happening in my car. So I get rid of the change. I try and use it and, and I don't really want change around. And it's like this leftover like time that we have each day. And for me, I've lived in this quadrant and I, and I walked up to God and this is what I gave him. 
I gave him my change. I said, that's what I got for you, God. That's all I can scrounge up in the uh, couch cushions of my life. That's my, um, that's what I got. We give God our change, and we wonder why nothing changes. We give God our, our leftover time, and we wonder where it went. But we arrive then to this place where we feel like we don't have a grip on time. We arrive to this moment where we're in a series about something that has a key to living John 10.10, a life more abundant, and it has to do with truly possessing our time, and we feel overspent, we feel like enough is never enough, and the to-do list continues to grow, and we feel bankrupt in life's most important currency, our time. We feel like we have marginless lives, we can't say yes when we want to say yes, we have to constantly be battling this undertow of stress because there's not enough time. And we give God our leftovers. But then there are those moments where we, we encounter people. We encounter places. We encounter uh, churches and situations and, and, and followers of Christ and, and people that we go, man, they really possess time. Their life reeks of purpose. I want that. We meet these people. We come in contact with them, and it changes everything. They give us a perspective of how to truly possess time. And that's not your encounter with me today. That's your encounter with Jesus today. I had an encounter with people that were followers of Jesus, and it happened in the Philippines, and I saw what truly grasping time came from, especially from a church perspective. Now, you remember what happened in the Philippines. A tsunami killed thousands of people. It was in our media for about two days. Well, a year to the day of that uh, tsunami, roughly, I was there, and I haven't forgotten because many of my friends are no longer here. And I'm at this place where these children's lives are built, literally from the inside out, through a church, in partnership with people just like you. And we're going across the street to this place called the City of Death. And the pastor says, hey, if something's, well, let's just be honest. Something could happen to you over there. It's a rough part of town. And if a thief would draw a knife or have a piece of glass or someone would have a gun or want to harm you, that's all you have to do is say the word alliance. So I perked up. Because if this is going to save my life, I need to make sure I articulate this right. So I just said, hey, what does that mean, alliance? Is that Tagalog for like a, I come in peace? Or what is that all about? And he just simply said, no, Eric, it's far simpler. And he just turned around and pointed to the sign. And he just said, it's just simply the name of our church. That's church success, don't you think? I mean... You've got great orchestra, a guy with three trumpets. <laughs> You've got a hundred acres in a beautiful part of California. I used to live in Walnut Creek. Then I became an artist, and I was like, this is too expensive to live in Walnut Creek. That's why the art's for sale. Not kidding. <laughs> but the truth is, is, I mean, there's a lot of things that are seen as successful here at this church. 
But church success has nothing to do with lights and video and chairs and acreage. Can you go into the part of your town in Modesto that is the hardest part of this town and someone threatens to hurt you, someone breaks into your home and because of how you have invested your time, you just simply say the word. And then the thief withdraws the weapon because this church invests their time like that. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want my life to have that kind of grip on time. Those kind of people. Now, uh, in this moment of clarity, I had a, well, I had a grip on time. I was investing into some things that were very wise in the moment. And so I wrote out a script um, on these cardboard boxes. And I had these beautiful children in the Philippines hold these boxes. And some of these kids uh, that you're going to meet in just a second on these video screens, they're no longer here. The tsunami has taken their life. I can't say this because I'm not judged, but because of their faith in Christ, I believe they were followers of Jesus, and, and I can't wait to meet them again because of the ministry that impacted their life before a tsunami took their life. So I just want to introduce to you what a grip of time looked like in my life where I felt like I really possessed it. Go ahead.
my time is up. But if you take your green coin out for just a moment, how do you get a grip on time? How do you truly get a grip on, on what is our life currency? I want you to take this green 50-cent piece with you. Because every time you see it, if it's in your car, if it's in your purse or your purse, Every time you see it, I want you to remind yourself that time is invested. It's never spent, and I have a choice today how I, want, how I want to invest this time. Now, there are many things I would love to share with you, but my time is short, so please do not hear this as a pitch. But I wrote a book. It's in the foyer, and you can donate for it. You can actually... Um, Read it, and we can have an ongoing conversation about a few keys found in Jesus' life, and one of which I'm going to give to you. But we can have this conversation. If you want to purchase that book, feel free. If you don't want to, wait long enough. It'll be at a goodwill. (laughs) But one thing I would remind you, if you want to get a grip of time, never forget that God is a person. We do this. Because if we treated God like we treat our earthly relationships, if we treat our earthly relationships like sometimes we treat God, what would happen to our earthly relationships? Because we forget he's a person. Yes, he's God. He has a character and will and attributes and all of these things. But you have maybe have discovered Jesus a long time ago, became a follower of Christ. Do not be satisfied with your level of knowledge of the Father. Because the truth is this. His mercies are new every morning. It's like a marriage. Some of you have been married for 50 plus years in this room. You know more things about your wife than you did when you first got married or about your husband. It's like that with God. And we easily apply this to Jesus. Never forget that God's a person. And once he is found, seek Jesus. He's perpetual discovery. It's like seeking him past finding him is one key. You want to get a grip on time. You want to get a grip on what truly is our life. Invest wisely. Invest into people. You're a person. Now, I'm not giving you a green light for selfishness, but I'm also saying invest into yourself. Invest into people. Invest wisely. Invest into the person of God. Invest into people. Invest wisely. You want to really truly grab a hold of time. Invest it wisely and invest into people, yourself included, your family included, the people in this room, the people in this town. That's when we really possess time, when we really see it come to life. Now, I brought a whole bunch of kids from the Philippines, by the way, about 200 all over the world, and they're at a table where my booth is in the back. And if you want to sponsor a kid for $38, you can do that. Fill out the form, give it back to me, and you can, I will give this to you. I will give you one of the prints that I painted or a book just because I get to, not because I have to. I'll never forget when I met my sponsor child, I'll never forget. Now, parents, you should sponsor a kid for every kid you have. Grandparents, the same goes for you. You want your kids to have a worldview, give them a part of the world they never see. I sponsored a little girl. I painted her for you. Her name's Crystal. Her mother grabbed me around the neck in Nicaragua, and she just said these words, thank you for sharing your love. Thank you for bringing Jesus to my family. Moments like that, I've truly felt like my 
time has been grasped. It mattered. When my feet hit the pavement, it was for a reason. Because when we invest wisely, we choose people. The person of God, yourself, and all of those around us here in Modesto and on the other side of the earth. Think of it in the confines of this I close as pastor comes. Our verse that we started with. Think of it with the currency of your life. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given to you. They'll pour into your lap good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus, I just pray that every one of these kids on that table would be rescued. God, that their life would be interrupted with hope. God, I pray that these paintings hang in this place. God, that it would literally speak to each of us as they remember to invest wisely. These coins in their hands, in their purses. God, let it be something that speaks to them throughout this week as we get a grip of our time that's limited and precious and opportune. In Jesus' name, amen.